Well, hey everyone and good evening to you and welcome to another episode of Your Questions, God's Questions. And glad to be with you tonight and I would just give you a little challenge to go ahead and hit that share button whatever you, wherever you're watching from. And uh, hey, if you're not from around here, um, you, let us know where you're coming from. Put something in the comment section and we will highlight that in the broadcast as usual. Put your comments, questions, prayer requests uh, by using the comment section in Facebook or YouTube. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Joe Friedland. I'm a pastor here in the city of Brossard and I was thinking about it today. I've been answering Bible questions for 20 plus years and teaching the Bible uh, in the greater Montreal area for, yeah, 20 plus years. So um, I love it when people ask questions. I love it when they ask questions that they're afraid to ask. I love it when people ask questions that they think Christians are going to laugh at. I love it when atheists ask questions. I love it when uh, Satanists ask questions. Uh, questions are good, and God wants us to question, because when we seek him, we will find him if we sincerely seek him, and if we ask him those tough questions. So uh, we're going to uh, continue tonight with uh, just a little conclusion from what we did last week which was why doesn't God take away COVID? And uh, you can look that up and watch it on our Facebook page at City Point Quebec or uh, YouTube uh, or our website at citypointchurch.ca. But just wanted to conclude that by telling you that uh, when we talk about vaccines, um, vaccine technology is essentially a, a walk of faith. Um, and there's a lot of faith demonstrated in the use of vaccines because what a vaccine is, is basically the idea that um, we're banking on, we are believing in the universality of the human immune system. Um, so we're banking on the idea that human beings have an immune system and most of us have a, an immune system that works. And that immune system is fearfully and wonderfully made. And what happens with that immune system is that you put this vaccine into the body, and there's various kinds of technologies that they're using for vaccines these days, but you put this vaccine into the body and the immune system says, hold on here, there is an intruder in here and we need to get a little army in place to kill it. And that's a walk of faith. That's banking on the fact that there's a design to the immune system. The question is, who designed it? And the answer, at least if you're a person uh, who believes in the existence of God, it's God did. So um, I'm not anti-vaccine at all. I think vaccines are, again, banking on the immune system that God designed Psalm 139 I'm fearfully and wonderfully made so why doesn't God take away COVID well you could argue that the production of the vaccine within 12 months of the discovery of SARS-CoV-2 is because it's in record time known we've never been able to do a vaccine this quickly one could say that God is using that to deal with this virus. Uh, that's perfectly acceptable to say. 
Now, whether you're you know pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine is your decision, of course, but you could make a strong argument that God is using it to deal with this this virus. Regardless, uh, the immune system is a wonderful, wonderful thing that God has created. Now, a couple of questions that we're going to deal with tonight. I'll put them on the screen here. And we go, um, how do we do that share? Just hold on. We'll get this up for you so you get a little bit of notes here today. And we go like this and like this and like this. And here you go. And here you go. All right, I'll make it a little smaller. Me bigger. You like me bigger? You're like, uh, well, well, we'll do this for a bit, okay? Um, so uh, first question of the night here is about tattoos. And uh, this was put to me uh, a few days ago by an individual who wanted to know what does the Bible say about tattoos I've got tattoos mm, I have and she actually had been reading the scripture and she came across this one uh, I'll put it on the screen for you as well here so you can see it uh, go forward here yeah there we go this is from Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 28 and look what it says um, in Leviticus 19:28. Do not cut your bodies for the dead, or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. And so uh, this person was reading this this verse of scripture. Said, "Uh oh, I have tattoos. What does that mean?" Um, and so this is very common today. Tattoos are, are all the rave, as they say. A lot of people have them. Uh, people who are Christians have them. People who are not Christians have them. A lot of people have them. The question is, is it wrong to have a tattoo? Is it right to have a tattoo? Does God care? What about this verse in Leviticus? Okay, well, first things first, um, you've got to put Leviticus in context, right? You're talking about the Levitical law as the children of Israel are going through the wilderness in the ancient Middle East some 4,000 plus years ago, 3,500, 3, 4,000 years ago, let's say. And um, you've got a lot of rules in there. You've got ceremonial law. You've got sacrificial law. You've got dietary law. You've got civil law. You've got all kinds of laws in the book of Leviticus and it clearly has a context so you're on dangerous ground right away if you're going to jettison this passage of scripture and zap it into the 21st century and remove it from its context okay that being said um, in the, the the verse itself there is a clue right so do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves so the implication is this thing of doing something to the body was more than just it's all the rave. Uh, they would cut themselves for the dead. Ooh, uh, that's way that's old, old uh, pagan religious views from, again, 3,500, 4,000 years ago and the Canaanites and uh, their worship system and the worship system of other uh, uh, pagan religious views at the time. And so clearly there was a religious connotation to the cutting of the body and the tattooing of the body. It's, it's right there in the verse. 
So this wasn't just, well, you know, we think it looks cute to have a little cross on our on our shoulder or something, or we think it's we like it, we like the aesthetics of it. No, there was clearly something associated with another religious view other than the worship of Yahweh. And this is why God opposed it, again, culture and context of that time. That being said, um, today, and I'll just give you a little reminder, share the broadcast, share, share, share. I see five people on, that could turn into 10 in about three minutes, okay? Um, again, these are, these are questions that I'm dealing with from a non-Christian, from a Christian perspective, it doesn't matter. So you can share it with your friends, I won't embarrass you, okay? Um, so you jettison that to today, you say, well, what about today? Well, I mean, the same principle applies. Are you tattooing yourself for the purpose of worship of a different God other than the God of the Bible? Uh, is this, is this does this have something to do with the occult? Uh, does it have something to do with idolatry? What's the motivation behind the tattoo? And that is key when it comes to something like this. And there are many areas uh, of life today that have to deal with motivation. And uh, so that's a big question you want to ask yourself. What is my motive in getting this tattoo? If I have one already and I feel uncomfortable with it, should I get rid of it? Uh, is that am I a religious nut for trying to get rid of my tattoo? No, you're not. Uh, that's a matter of conscience. And if your conscience is troubled uh, by the fact that you have one and you want to get rid of it or you want to cover it, again, that's a matter of conscience. And you're certainly within uh, reason to say, yeah, I don't like it anymore and I want to do something about it. Uh, but again, be very, very careful when you're dealing with a verse like Leviticus 19.28. Um, to be careful to understand what it meant to the people who first read it, who first heard it, and then you can know what it means to us today. All right, so uh, hopefully that answers uh, that question. And again, there are many other things in life where it's about the motivation, and you can't just paint, a, uh, paint it with a one broad stroke, okay? So what is your motive? In these things all right next question that we have tonight uh, let's see here the question uh, that there we go what does prayer without ceasing mean what does prayer without God bless you Jackie and you're a, your bravery is inspiring Jackie as you continue to go through treatments God bless you and uh, people in our church are praying for you so good have a, have a great, great evening tonight, and thank you for joining us on the broadcast. All right, so what does to pray without ceasing mean? Uh, this came up in the broadcast last week, and that's a great question, because doesn't this, the Bible say pray without ceasing? I mean, in our church, we're doing a series on prayer, and uh, I, I want people to, to learn how to pray every day. I want people to learn to be consistent in their prayer lives and um, fruitful in their prayer lives and authentic and uh, so I mean is does, when the Bible says pray without ceasing does that mean you're just sort of you're praying all the time and you, you never you never stop like that's all you do is pray uh, 
you know, you sort of have your hands clasped all day, or you're always in the church all day, and you're just praying all day. You don't do anything else. You don't go to work. You don't go to school. You don't cook. You don't clean. You don't, you don't do anything. You just pray all day. Is that what Paul means uh, when he says this? The verse in question is in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, I'm going to flip there in my old-fashioned paper Bible here. <clears throat> so this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, the end of Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, okay, which you you could you could visit uh, Thessalonica today. It still still exists, and uh, this is what he says in conclusion um, in his letter: Be joyful always, pray continually, or pray without ceasing. In some translations, some English translations, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You say, whoa, it's God's will. Man, so I got to pray all the time without ceasing. Oh boy, what? A... Okay, so so obviously it doesn't mean that you've got to pray and do absolutely nothing else in life. Because when we look into the Bible, we see that Paul himself did many other things in life besides pray all day, all night, all the time. So this doesn't mean that you know a person is sinning if they uh, aren't in church all the time, 24-7 praying, and it's just sort of they have to become a monk or else they're sinning and they're outside of God's will. That is not what it means. Um, and we know that just by reading the New Testament. These people did plenty of other things during the day besides prayer. So what could it mean? Uh, be joyful always, pray continually. That's a nice way of rendering uh, the word. And the, the word in the, in the language that's used, uh, the Greek language of the New Testament, means to continually pray. It means to pray without ceasing. So it's not like there's anything magic that you discover when you dig into the Greek word here. So you've got to use a little bit of common sense. Uh, what's being said here is that the consistency that you have in prayer, you shouldn't pull the plug on that. So you, you shouldn't um, uh, cease to continue to pray. So you, you, you pray in such and such a fashion. Uh, and I want to get people to a place where they're praying every day. Doesn't matter how long you're praying for. Doesn't matter um, uh, if it's morning or if it's night. Uh, Jackie, you put a you put a question up there. Could it be the kind of praying while we're singing praises to God when we sing hymns? Yes, and indeed it can. Um, and so there is a consistency that you begin to develop. And what's being said here is, don't pull out that consistency. Don't cease to do that. It's a bit like when the author of Hebrews says. Do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together, as some are in the habit of doing. So clearly, the author of Hebrews there, he's talking about how people would stop meeting together. Stop church, as it were. Stop the gathering of the community um, together. You say, well, that's what they're doing now. They closed all the churches. Well, you could still gather online. You could still get together in a virtual sense. Maybe it's not the best, but it's still something. So you can still obey that command 
um, you know, even if the building is closed, you don't need the building together. You can find other ways to do it. So with prayer here, it's, hey, are, are, you, are you consistently praying? Well, don't pull the plug on that consistency. Furthermore, there's an attitude that one has when one prays continually or without ceasing. You become aware of the fact that God is with you, even though you know you're not in some uh, kind of traditional prayer posture. You're aware of His presence with you. You're aware of um, uh, you have a spiritual cognizance of God. You're in the car and you just have that understanding. Hey, I'm not alone here. You're at work. You're going through what seems to be a real lonely, boring day. You say, wait a second. I'm not alone here. The Lord is with me in whatever I'm doing. He's here with me. And you can call out to God at any time, any time in the day. I love the prayer of Nehemiah in the Bible's Old Testament. Um, Nehemiah was a, a cupbearer. Uh, he would drink the, the cup of uh, wine that was to be given to the king. Uh, Artaxerxes, you will read at the beginning of the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And um, he was the cupbearer. So that meant if someone was trying to assassinate the king uh, with poison, Nehemiah would be the first one to test it, right? That was his job. And Nehemiah is very burdened about the rebuilding of uh, about the, the status of, of Jerusalem, his city. And he is uh, hundreds of miles away from it. And he's quite burdened and he wants to rebuild the walls. And he goes to Nehemiah and he asks Nehemiah to, uh, to send him and to even provide the, the, the lumber, etc., to go and to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem and it's interesting when he's talking with Artaxerxes he he prays while he's talking to Artaxerxes it, kind of in his mind um, it doesn't say with actual detail but while he's having a conversation with Artaxerxes he prays and I love that because that is so practical and um, so real so when you pray continually and you pray without ceasing, that's what starts to happen. It doesn't mean that you don't go through a normal day. It doesn't mean that you don't do normal things. It doesn't mean that you have to become a monk. It means you begin to cultivate a sense of the presence of God with you and you don't pull the plug on the consistency that you're developing in prayer. So you're learning to pray every day? Well, don't stop praying every day. If you're not there yet and you're praying every two days, well, don't stop praying every two days. Bring it up to a third day, you know. Uh, bring it up to every day, whatever. Uh, up to Bring it up to every day is what I mean. Uh, so it, that's the idea. And it becomes, it becomes more and more natural, becomes more and more a part of your life, all right? So... Uh, yeah, it's okay if you want to be a monk, but um, but it doesn't, you know, it's not what the verse really means, okay? So, uh, yeah, I hope that this makes sense to you, and I hope that these, these answers are good ones. I don't see anything coming in. You're very, very shy, and we have a few minutes left. we got seven people on the call, 
So I'm going to I'm going to wait a few minutes here and see if there's anything. Otherwise, I am going to pray for you. Um, and yeah, I want to uh, let me remind you of a couple of other things here. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I'll put a, a couple of announcements up here for you. Yeah, we'll go back. We'll go back. Uh, let me tell you about the Bible study group that we're doing on Wednesday nights. We started it last week, and it is fantastic. Uh, the production value of this is as good as anything I've seen. And the whole theme of this is a clash of kingdoms. No, oh, wait. <laughs> what are you putting up here? Let's see what he says. Yes, no, and wait. Keep praying. That's where I'm stumped. Uh, I think I know what you mean, uh, Patrick. Uh, you you probably mean those are the three answers that are typically taught um, uh, for prayer, the way God answers prayer. Here, let me put this back, and we'll put our yeah, we'll put it back there. Yes, no, and wait. Keep praying. That's where I'm stumped. Um, yeah, uh, just on that, uh, God. We often, we often teach that, uh, you know, God, he's going to answer yes, he's going to answer no, he's going to answer wait, and maybe I should keep on praying, and I'm not praying enough, and that's why. Um, it, be, a little, be a little broader than that uh, in your understanding, um, I would say, because in any relationship, um, it, it's not just yes, no, or wait. Or yes, no, or no answer. You know, a lot of people get frustrated at God and they say, I've got no answer. I pray to God, I've got no answer. Uh, I have some some people who I work with at um, Large Food Bank in Brossard here. And uh, they're not, I wouldn't be professing believers, but, you know, sometimes they call out to God for their, their requests. They say, he just doesn't answer. He just doesn't answer. And, you know, it's either I get a yes, uh, which means my prayer request is granted and, you know, it, it appears whatever I'm asking for. Uh, I need a job. I got the job and therefore God said yes. Or I didn't get the job and therefore God said no or didn't hear anything. And so it's wait or some people say it's slow. Yes, no and slow. Well, God answers in more ways than that. It, he communicates to us. It's not always going to be a yes, a no or a wait. It could be something else. Um, that's why you also need to develop a devotional life where you're reading the Bible um, uh, in in concert with the way that you pray. And um, when you do that, yeah, we'll take it down. Yeah, when you do that, uh, God speaks to you through His Word, and and so it's not necessarily a yes or a no or a wait. It's something else. So it's communication, and you're in a relationship with him. Uh, there's many things that he could say in response to your prayer. Because what God wants more than just, okay, I'm going to say yes to you, or I'm going to say no to you, or I'm going to say wait to you, is he wants fellowship with you. Uh, so, oh, thank you. God bless you, Valerie. Thanks for answering that same question I had recently. Good. Well, I hope it, I hope it helps. And God bless you, and thanks for joining in tonight. So, um, yeah, I hope that helps. And prayer, we we can't we can't put uh, we can't put prayer in a in a uh, a little little uh, sort of a punch card uh, because it's a relationship with God 
uh, that we are trying to um, trying to develop. Okay, so um, uh, and thank you again, Jackie, and God bless you and um, keep on going. All right. So um, yeah, so I'm gonna pray for you now, and I don't see any requests coming on here, but we'll pray for you, Jackie, as you've started your treatments as well. Uh, but let me just take a couple of moments. Lord, I thank you for those who've been on and those who've been watching and participating tonight. Lord, above all things, um, may we grow in a relationship with you, whether we're trying to understand uh, something like tattoos or wrestle with the pandemic and uh, or understand what prayer is and prayer without ceasing. May we grow in fellowship and relationship with you god i pray for those who are who are hurting physically those with uh, various kinds of problems for jackie and her treatments you would bring her to 100 percent health god for others i think of of people who who may be watching listening or who will watch who will listen maybe who are dealing with the virus who have it I pray for them, God. I pray for people who are working in the front lines, people working in hospitals and and schools and daycares and other places, God, where they're just walking in risk all the time, that you would be with us, that you would protect us, God, and that you would teach us to grow as we walk with you. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you tonight, and uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't be shy. To hit that share button and hey come up with questions during the week you could send them to me you hope you know how to reach me through our Facebook page uh, or our website so uh, hope to see some of you on Wednesday night when we do that group um, uh, clash of kingdoms which I was announcing uh, before let me put it put it on the screen here just for fun because I like this tech uh, here we go yeah clash of kingdoms so the idea here is um, uh, there's God's kingdom and his values, his ethics, um, and then there's the kingdom of the world. And the two are very, very different. How do you live Christianly in a non-Christian world? You know, I've, I've run into recently a view uh, that, that teaches that uh, Christians are supposed to uh, essentially Christianize the world. And we have to we have to take dominion over the world, turn it into a Christian world, and then the second coming will happen. We call that Christian dominionism, uh, and this is a teaching that's off on the fringe uh, because we can't Christianize the world. The world has a totally different value system than the Judeo-Christian value system, and anybody who tries to live Christianly is going to see a clash of kingdoms and it's not like we're going to be successful in Christianizing the world if we were there'd be no need for Jesus to return to it um, he's returning to it to fix it and so um, you know it's an extreme to to go that far and believe in dominionism on the other hand how do you live Christianly in a non-Christian world when you have that clash of kingdoms so it's one hour Wednesday nights on the Zoom platform you want to join with us uh, just contact me and I'll send you that link we're in week two tomorrow and also um, there are some of you who are on this call who are in already but uh, those of you who call our church home either online or in person we've started up a private 
uh, Facebook discipleship group. It's it's really neat uh, because we get to know each other in a, in a deeper fashion, pray for one another. There's accountability that grows. People start getting involved with their spiritual gifts, discovering what their gifts are. I give homework uh, every week that you have to do. Um, well, at least I strongly suggest you do it. And uh, there's just growth that starts taking place in people's lives uh, when they're in that type of a group. So um, if you want to join that, you need to do it through our Facebook page, okay? Uh, but I'm going to let you go for tonight. And again, feel free to reach out to me during the week if you've got questions. But we will tackle another one next week. Until then, God bless you, everyone, and have a great week.